Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host once again, Bo Smolka, joined by my co-host, former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. And we are going to be breaking down the Ravens and the Bills, previewing what a lot of people consider to be the marquee matchup of week four. As Buffalo comes to town, an AFC Super Bowl contender, and in some ways the Ravens are as well. And we will break down that game, what it's going to look like when Buffalo comes to Baltimore on Sunday. Before we do that, I want to remind you that all Believe in the Ravens podcasts are sponsored by Bet Online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-the-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, golf, combat sports, eSports at BetOnline. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information with live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Daniel Wilcox, to this week the Buffalo Bills come to town. As I said, a lot of people see this as a potential AFC championship preview. Josh Allen and the number one passing offense in the league right now against a Baltimore Ravens team led by Lamar Jackson, who has played in an MVP level through three games. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are always going to be linked because they came into the league together in that 2018 draft class. And remember, there were five quarterbacks taken in that year, in that first round, and neither of them was the first one. Baker Mayfield went, Sam Darnold went, and then Josh Allen went at number seven. Josh Rosen was taken at number 10 overall that year. And then, of course, the Ravens traded back into the first round. After selecting Hayden Hurst earlier, they traded back into the first round and selected Lamar Jackson at number 32 overall. So Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson will always be linked together. And I don't know, Daniel Wilcox, what do you think? There's been so much talk about Josh Allen. And I know you've said before you don't think Lamar Jackson gets the respect he deserves. What do you think Lamar Jackson comes into this game feeling staring over Josh Allen on the other sideline? You know, I I think there's so much going on right now in the media, just back and forth. You know, every time you see posting who's the number one quarterback in the league and Josh Allen name pops up all the time, but not Lamar Jackson name pops up. You know, I think it definitely Lamar has a chip on his shoulder. I think he came into the league with a chip on his shoulder, you know, being the last quarterback drafted in the first round that year with all these guys going in front of him. He's outplayed every single quarterback drafted in front of him. The only one that you can put up as a comparison is the Josh Allen. I think him coming in right now, to, to Baltimore to play at Lamar Jackson's home, you know, and, and to come in, you know, everybody's still having these conversations about Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the league and not even to mention L- Lamar in that conversation. I think Lamar has something to prove. I think he'll have a chip on his shoulder. I think he had one on his shoulder from, from the draft, you know, and I think it's going to continue to carry over into this game. I think you'll see a high intensity, a well-prepared, you know, well-studied, well-oiled machine in number eight. Lamar Jackson, I think he's coming to play this week, and he's coming to prove a point, you know, to show the world that, hey, man, when you start when you start talking about the number one quarterback in his league, in his league, you know, mention my name. You know, he got that Michael Jordan, 
that Kobe Bryant type killer instinct. And I think it's going to show up this week, man. I'm excited to see this game. This is going to be such a high profile game and such a great game. And I can't think of a better atmosphere for it to be played in than Baltimore. I'll say this, Lamar Jackson, he tends to really be motivated by failure or when things don't go well. And one of the worst games he's played or one of the worst games the Ravens have played in his tenure was at Buffalo in the playoffs a few years ago. They scored three points in the first three quarters. And then, of course, he left with a concussion after he hit his head, and, and that was the end of their season. So that's the last time they faced Buffalo, and Buffalo did a great job against him defensively. We'll get to that in a minute. First, let's talk about this Buffalo Bills offense. As you said, it runs through Josh Allen, and they're the number one passing offense in the league, and they've got Stephon Diggs, the former Maryland Terrapin who, went, who was drafted in the fifth round, and a lot of people here in Baltimore say that's the one that got away. Maryland native went to Maryland and lasted into the fifth round. The Ravens had three fourth-round picks in the year that year, and they did not take digs. And he is one that the Ravens fans really, really wish had stayed at home. But if you're the Ravens, and Stephon Diggs leads the league right now with 344 receiving yards. Daniel Wilcox, you're the Ravens. You have Marlon Humphrey. You have Marcus Peters. You have uh, Marcus Williams. You have this whole secondary built to defend. How are you defending Stephon Diggs if you're Mike McDonald and that Ravens defense? It's all to me. To me, it's all about disrupting timing, you know, for him, for Diggs and Josh Allen. You know, you don't want to put them in a situation where they're running free routes. They're getting free releases off the line of scrimmage. <clears throat> and nobody's giving him respect over the top. So I think you got to press him at the line to disrupt his time and getting off the ball. To So Josh Allen has to pat that ball once or twice before he throws it or go to a second or third read. Because if you give him if you give him free releases off the line of scrimmage all day, he's going to run everything under the sun. He could run every single route in the route tree. And he's a phenomenal route runner. And his timing, he, he understands, you know, zone versus man and coverage and where to sit down at. He knows those pockets and the cover fours and the cover threes and the cover twos that we like to run. So I think he'll eat you up if you don't disrupt his timing. You know, even if you go cover two, I still press him at the line of scrimmage, even in zone coverage. I will put hands on them early. We got long DBs with long arms. They can get hands on them and jam them and disrupt that time and getting off the ball, which is slow Josh Allen down. If he has to pump, if he has to pat that ball bow once or twice, that gives our lineman a chance to get at him and, and touch him a little bit and rattle him a little bit. And I think you got to hit him every single opportunity you can so that he gets used to picking himself off, up off the ground. I remember Billick used to say this all the time. We want him to get, we want him to get so fatigued by the fourth quarter by picking himself up off the ground, just alone. It's just like doing um, my, the, the, the worst exercise in training is burpee. You know, it's like doing a burpee. Oh, you man. knock him down, you got to do a burpee <laughs> to get up every single time, right? So if you do that, if he has to get up about 30 times, that's 30 burpees in the game. And that's how I look at it. You know, get Josh Allen on the ground, disrupt timing at the line of scrimmage with Stephon Diggs, and make him understand that he should have stayed in Maryland. You know, he, he need to be trying to get back home because that's where he belongs anyway. But at the end of the day, it's about not giving him clean looks and make everything that he catches be contested. So he has a rough and long day. By the end of the day, he should be so exhausted from trying to get off the line of scrimmage and trying to run his routes with people banging him and bumping him all the way up and down the field and um and trying to catch a ball just to get open. I think you rough him up. You give him a lot of attention and make those other receivers beat you. You know, your Jameson Crowders, your Isaiah McKenzie's, you know, those guys, make those guys beat you and, and just make Stefan Diggs have one of the, you know, the most physically exhausting days that he's ever had as a wide receiver. 
I would think that would probably fall to Marlon Humphrey. He's going to be the biggest, most physical guy that can can lock him up at the line of scrimmage briefly. And frankly, that's why you've paid Marlon Humphrey the big money. You want him mm-hmm. to defend in the biggest moments. And this is clearly one of the biggest moments. I'm sure Marlon Humphrey will be up for the challenge. I mean, he will be motivated by the challenge. Well, he can win the challenge remains to be seen. But that's, I think, what whether he lines up outside, whether Diggs is outside, whether Diggs is in the slot, I think Marlon Humphrey is the guy. If you're going to try to jam him on the line of scrimmage, I think Marlon Humphrey is the one to do it. Getting to Josh Allen's another question, though, because he's a big guy, 6'5", 237, I think they list him at. And, I mean, he, he can extend plays and he can run. He's one of the better runners. He's probably the second-best running quarterback in the league. So he can create when if he can extend the play. And this, again, comes down to the pass rush. Can they get to the quarterback? I'm still waiting for Adafe Owe to make an impact this year. Still has not had a sack. Still has not had a quarterback hit. And it's been disappointing for him. They've got to get him turned loose and be disruptive. And we'll talk about Jason Pierre-Paul. Jason Pierre-Paul has joined the team officially. He practiced yesterday. I think he's going to play. Uh, to some extent, I think he will play. John Harbaugh said yesterday, well, if we if we can get him up to speed, we'd like to get him in there. I, I, think, I don't think they can afford not to. Justin Houston, remember, he left the New England game with a groin injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So Justin Houston may not be available. They cannot continue to expect Calais Campbell to play nearly every defensive snap or they'll lose him too. Uh, so I think Jason Pierre-Paul will have to be in the game. And maybe he just comes in situational moments where it's obviously passing situation. Your job is just get to the quarterback. But I think Justin Houston will have to be in there. The other news for the Ravens on the defensive front, Michael Pierce tore his bicep uh, against New England. That was confirmed by John Harbaugh yesterday, and Michael Pierce is going to have surgery, so it looks like he will be done for the year, and that's a big loss. I don't know if it's a huge loss in this game specifically because he was more of the run stuffer, and this is a team that wants to operate through the air more, but it's a big loss for this team. They lose Michael Pierce most likely for this season. So they're going to have to defend, as you said, uh, Stefan Diggs. It all, it's all going to start with him. And I think watching Stefan Diggs versus Marlon Humphrey and maybe Marcus Peters will be two of the more very, very interesting things to watch. The Ravens, of course, come in with a pass defense that's ranked last, dead last in the league. Part of that was the collapse against Miami. And then early in the game last week at New England, Jalen Armour Davis started and got beat a few times and he was out. Brandon Stevens came in and the Patriots picked on him. But Marcus Peters is back to almost full health. And Marlon Humphrey, they both played almost every snap against New England. So we can assume they're fully ready to go. And that's going to be very, very big in this game. This is why you paid this defense to defend an offense like this. So that will be very interesting to watch. Now let's look at this Buffalo defense. Because as I said, when they played Buffalo in Buffalo in the playoffs in 2020, the, the Ravens scored three points and... Lamar Jackson leaves with a concussion, but that was a 3-3 three to three game in the third quarter, and it all turned when Lamar Jackson tried to force a pass into Mark Andrews in the end zone. It was returned for a 101-yard interception return by, by Teron Johnson, and then you kind of felt like the game was over because there was no point at which the Ravens looked like they were going to come up with 17 points against that defense. The Ravens may or may not have Ronnie Stanley. He practiced fully on Wednesday for the first time all year. And so maybe, maybe they've got Ronnie Stanley for this game. If not, again, it appears that rookie Daniel Falele may have to start at left tackle. He's never played left tackle until last week when he filled in for the injured Patrick McCary, who did not practice on Wednesday. And on the other side of the, on the line of scrimmage, you're staring at 
uh, Greg Rousseau and Von Miller, who already have five and a half sacks and are just a beast coming off the edge. So if you are Daniel Falele, or if let's say you are John Harbaugh, and you're trying to look at an offensive line that's going to be starting Daniel Falele, and you have Von Miller across from him, how are you scheming up your offense to give Daniel Falele help and defend Von Miller? Oh, Bo, you already know. You know exactly what I'm doing. I'm putting Daniel Wilcox back there in the backfield <laughs> so he can chip Von Miller as many times as he possibly can. I'm, I'm, I'm motioning over Ricard so Ricard can chip and help. You know, I'm shifting tight ends, and I'm, I might go overset with an extra tight with an extra O lineman or something. I'm gonna do whatever I can to help prevent to keep him out of my backfield. I mean, that dude is an absolute terror. Von Miller has been playing this game for a long time. He got two Super Bowls underneath his belt because he's so outstanding on finding the right team at the right time and um pitching in and doing his job, man. And you know, when you got guys like that, you have to make it a hard, long day for him. One of the things that I, I love. When you play against big D linemen, when the, when when the offensive coordinator come up with a scheme, a game plan to tire those guys out, we're gonna run sideline to sideline to get these guys exhausted, right? Because they're so big. You know, when you got guys like Von Miller, they can run all day. So that sideline to sideline stuff don't even work. It won't even slow this guy down. It'll probably help him if you try to go sideline to sideline. You run right to him if you go his way, and then you run away from him. He can run you down from the backside. You know, so you got to run right at guys like Von Miller. So you put a big guy like Flaley on him, and then you have somebody else come over to help double-team them. You know, you double-team them with the guard, you double-team them with the tight end, you double-team them with an extra lineman, and then you have, you know, running backs, you know, your tailbacks, your fullbacks, chip them, and they they put them on his butt once or twice to slow him down when he comes off the edge of the line of scrimmage. And then you have to mix up how you block them. You know, you cut them every now and then, you know, just to slow them down. Hey, I will cut you. Don't get it twisted, you know. And then you come back and you fake like you're going to cut them, and then you hit them right in his mouth, you know. So you got to do all these little things to kind of mix it up. And these, there's, there's so many tricks to the trade to make people think you're going to do something that you're not going to do just to slow them down one step. A lot of times it's that one step that slows them down and they don't get to the quarterback in time to move. And when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know he's going to make your wrong right. You know, so you that to me as an O-lineman or, or a tight end or a running back that has to block anybody, that gives me confidence in knowing if I miss this guy, just go to the next guy because most likely Lamar is going to make him miss anyway. You know, so if you got a quarterback like that, he saves your butt more times than anything. You know, he doesn't hurt you. It's bad when you got a quarterback that antsy in the pocket. And he just moves left, moves right too much, and then he gives a sack up that he shouldn't have had to give because he could have sat still. But Lamar's not that guy. He's excellent in the freaking pocket. He has great pocket awareness. He feels the pocket collapses, and he's out like a torpedo before you even realize that he um he's up the field two or three yards. So to, to me, chipping him, Putting double double team with him as many times as you can and just keeping him off your quarterback because if you don't, it'll be a long day for Lamar. Well, and it's not just Von Miller. Gregory saw his three and a half sacks already, and they get they get pressure up the middle too. Yeah. Uh with Ed That's Oliver and some other guys. Thing. I mean, and so it, it's going to be a challenge for that offensive line. The one concern of biggest concern for the Bills has to be their secondary is really banged up. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. you know, Tredavious White is still on the pup list. Micah Hyde has gone to IR after getting hurt. Dane Jackson, you remember, he left in an ambulance um, a couple weeks ago in the game. Christian Benford would be a starting cornerback, broke his hand. He's a Baltimore native, actually, went to Randallstown High School, and so he won't be playing. They've got a lot of injuries in that secondary, so that's something. If Lamar Jackson can get time, you would think that the Ravens should have the ability, with Rashad Bateman and especially the way Devin Duvernay is playing, 
to maybe make an impact in that secondary against a, a secondary that's going to be shorthanded. Of course, it's going to all start with Mark Andrews, and I think the thing that Lamar Jackson has to be careful not to do is force those throws in, as he did in that on that 101-yard interception return. It was just a throw into triple coverage, basically. This Bills defense, especially in the defensive secondary, is nowhere near what they wanted it to be because of injuries. So I know a lot of people are always saying about the, the uh, Ravens' injuries, but the Bills are dealing with significant injuries in the secondary as well. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the Ravens attack it. And and does Lamar Jackson get time? And can they establish the run? Because if they can establish the run, that changes things. I think we'll probably see more of J.K. Dobbins this week. You mentioned he looked a little timid in his first game back. But I would expect we'll see more of him. And we'll see more of Justice Hill. And one of the things that will really be interesting to watch, and you brought it up a minute ago, is which of these running backs can pass protect? Because whichever running back they feel can pass protect is probably going to be on the field more than the others because they're going to have to contribute there. But I can totally see a situation where Lamar Jackson is bottled up and suddenly it turns into a 35-yard run because he can outrun those defenders, although Von Miller, these guys are so fast. But here's an interesting thing to bring up, Daniel Wilcox. The Bills come in as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite to M&T Bank Stadium. Lamar Jackson, in his career as a starter, has been an underdog at home twice. And he has won both games, not just covered. They won the game both times. He was an underdog here in Baltimore when New England came to town in 2019. And the Ravens ran them out of the building, I believe it was a Sunday night game. And then last year, they came. They were an underdog when Kansas City came to town. And if you remember, that was the day that Adafi Owe got a big strip sack and the Ravens went on fourth down with about a minute to go, got the first down and, and, and got the win. They are 2-0 when Lamar Jackson is a home underdog. He will be highly motivated. And I think John Harbaugh teams tend to really get up for the moment when in that kind of situation. I expect the Ravens will be on point this weekend. Do they have the defense to contend? We'll see. What do you think the biggest keys are for the Ravens to win this game? I think it's going to be the defensive secondary. I think it's going to be the defensive secondary all day. I don't think we've played very well this year. You know, the fact that we're ranked dead last and we got probably the best DBs in the entire league, you know, with Marlon Humphrey and company. I just I, – I feel like we're way better than what we've been doing. And we've we've caused turnovers week in and week out, so it's kind of funny that we're last in the league because I know we got to be close to first in turnovers, if not first, you know. So we got to continue to cause turnovers and we got to continue – we got to figure out a way to get the ball in the end zone on the defensive side of the ball – we got to do some takeaways. Every good quarterback will always give you give you an opportunity to pick them off every game. It's just whether or not you're going to catch it or not, right? You know, Brett Favre used to be – he used to give you four chances every game. <laughs> and guys would drop it. It would be like the most dumbest drops you've ever seen. Hit them right in the hands, hit them in the face mask, hit them in the chest, hit them in the stomach, and they're still dropping the ball, bobbing the ball. So every good quarterback is going to give you a shot to pick them off. We have to – we have to take advantage of every opportunity we get this game and we can't let Josh Allen get away with anything. You know, he's one thing I can say about him. He's really poised in the pocket and he's really good at extending plays. Kind of reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger a little mm-hmm. bit, just a smaller version that could run a little bit faster. And um, and he, and he's, he's, he's fine. He's not, he's not greedy, you know? And I think that's what was most impressive about Tom Brady. Tom Brady would beat you with just dinking and dunking all game long. And then he'll hit you over the top because now you got tired of him dinking and dunking. You know, and that's one thing I see with Josh Allen. You know, he's very patient, man. You know, he just takes his time, stands up in the pocket. He delivers to the open guy every single time. Never passes him up. He's opening flats. He's getting it right now. 
my first read is open, he's getting it right now. I'm not waiting for number two. I'm not trying to, you know, force the number three because I want that throw right now. He's taking what the defense gives him, and I think that's why he's one of the top-ranked quarterbacks in the league right now. He's playing excellent football, and he's not turning the ball over a lot. But every week you see somebody drop one that they should have had, and we have to have our hand games on point this week. We got our, our entire secondary need to be on our on our special teams hands team this week, and they need to play with great hands, great vision, great anticipation, and study their butts off because this guy's coming. He's coming here to beat you in Baltimore at your home stadium. We've already lost one at home this year. I don't want to lose two. Mm-hmm. It's our time to shine this week. Secondary, let's go. You mentioned the drop passes. Patrick Queen dropped an interception right, hit him in, literally hit him in the number six at Every the goal week. line. Uh, last weekend and I think Patrick Queen is a key guy in this game Um, he's been up and he's been down but because the Bills will also use their receiver uh, their running backs as receivers quite often and that's a guy that Patrick Queen's probably gonna have to key on at times and then make the tackle the tackling has not been sharp that much especially by the linebackers so far so I think Patrick Queen will be key and and as you said they've got six turnover uh, interceptions already this year they only had nine all of last season so the interceptions have come and, and and we and we've dropped at least three or four bowl. I can remember. I remember. I remember even Williams dropping one. He had two picks in one game and dropped the third one. He dropped the third one one play before the Dolphins hit one of their long touchdown passes. It was literally the play before that he could have had three interceptions in that game. So mm-hmm. yeah, there you're right. There are opportunities, and so a turnover or two would be extremely big for this team. And they, as I said, they built this defense to be opportunistic and to to, to create turnovers. That was one of their primary priorities in this offseason was create more playmaking on defense. And we saw it last week with Kyle Hamilton forcing an interception and Humphrey and Peters both had interceptions. Or Hamilton forced a fumble, rather, that Peters recovered. And then, of course, Peters and Humphrey both had interceptions, and so did Josh Bynes when he dropped into coverage. So turnovers will be key. It's Josh Allen against Lamar Jackson. And if you talk to Lamar Jackson, he says, hey, I'm not playing against Josh Allen. I'm playing against the Bills' defense. And he's right. He's right, but... Nationally, the narrative is Josh Allen against Lamar Jackson because that's just how it works with quarterbacks. They always think the quarterbacks play each other. It should be a great game in Baltimore on Sunday. I will say we are scheduled to get maybe the remnants of the hurricane. Hurricane Ian is coming up the eastern seaboard. It's a chance that it will be a wet Sunday, and that could also affect. I don't think we're looking at downpours or anything, but it is supposed to be a wet weekend in Baltimore. So that could affect the passing game. We'll see. It's a couple days away still. But weather could be a factor in this game. But it should be a terrific matchup. The Ravens and the Bills. A lot of people consider it an AFC championship preview. There's a lot of football before we get there. But this will be a very good litmus test for this Ravens team and the Bills team to see where they stand in the pecking order. That's the Ravens and the Bills Sunday, 1 p.m. M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. And we'll be back on Monday to break down that game and see exactly what happened and why. For Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka, host of the Believe in the Ravens podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Hi, 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.